Hello podcast world, welcome back. My name is Anthony Trevino. Again, I'm your host. And today what we're going to talk about is uh, what's called a T3 or train the trainer is what we're going to talk about. And uh, there's a lot of different elements when it comes to training a trainer. We're going to go over some really important ones, I think, in this episode. We're going to focus on, you know, that initial interaction when you first meet a brand new trainer coming in and he or she has never presented materials. Maybe they have a good background but have never actually formally presented materials. Uh, next, we'll talk about empowerment, making sure that they're able to take the lead, uh, finding out uh, how to give out that control a little bit, especially if you struggle to give out the control a little bit. Then we'll take a look at what happens when things go wrong. And undoubtedly, things are going to go wrong. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, you can't prepare for everything, but at the same time, you can, in fact, uh, prepare for some things that are, in fact, going to happen. And uh, how do you avoid those steps, or uh, how do you make sure that that person is prepared to take the next best steps? We're then going to look at evaluations and how to uplift somebody and not tear them down. This is going to be a really important one for us. But let's start with the very beginning, the very first part of the conversation here. So when it comes to training a trainer, the very first thing that I like to talk to, to that person about is who they are as a person. Right? Get to know them a little bit. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Why is it that they wanted to be a trainer? And find out, you know, what, uh, when I ask them that question, you know, what led them to want to be a trainer? Uh, I usually start with that to understand their motivation. That motivation can be a really crucial indicator of whether that person's wanting to be successful or to not, in, in my opinion. Because if that person has the passion for it, right, and they like to uh, engage with people in this kind of a, a way or shape or manner, uh, or if they like to present materials and teach, for example, I find that they're going to be very, very successful. I've had a few instances where I've had somebody point blank tell me, you know, I just wanted a new job. I wanted to, you know, get out of this role or I want to get out of this, do this project. And every time that that's happened, and it's only happened maybe a handful of times, but every time that it's happened, that person was not successful in the training and development field. Matter of fact, they ended up hating it so much they quit, uh, and they ended up going into a different field altogether, and then they were very happy, you know. But understanding that motivation, understanding what they're good at, what they're not good at, helps define that conversation. A couple of years ago, I had a situation where I had a new trainer, and the person came to me, and uh, or came to me and during our initial conversation there and said, you know, I really want to be someone who can help somebody be successful and do these things right. But any time that I get up in front of someone or get in front of a group, I end up fumbling my words. And I said, that's interesting. I said, so what's the difference between talking to somebody on the phone, right, or talking to me right now, and talking to a group of individuals? And that person said, you know, and then they gave me a list of things as to what they thought were wrong. I said, okay. So for them, that challenge that they had initially was just that fear, right? And getting over that fear and, and presenting materials to more than one person. Presenting information to more than one person, really. And so we took that and said, okay, let's focus on what do you know currently? What are you a subject matter expert at? 
And thankfully, in this position that I happened to be in at the time, you know, the materials that we were going over were things that they had already been familiar with. And then I said, recall the most challenging conversation you had with somebody about this topic. Tell me what happened in this topic. And so they told me what they did and what happened. And so some of y'all actually matter, might even recognize this acronym called uh, STARL, uh, which is Situation, Task, Actions, Results, and then Lessons Learned, STARL, S-T-A-R-L. And when I had them go through that process, every time that they mentioned something positive, right, especially in the actions, like a positive action that they took, a positive result that happened, or a positive lesson learned, I made little bullet points for myself. And we went back to that, and I said, well, you know how you did this, right? Well, interesting you should say that. And then I would relate it to how you present information or materials or a situation similar to what a trainer would do. And soon that person's cold feet, as it were, went from, I'm not really sure I can do this, to, oh, well, if it's just something like that, then... You know, I probably will be successful, right? And so we were able to transform that person uh, into a great trainer. But at the end of the day, we had to start small, right? Focusing on things that they have had control over, that they have been an expert at, that they have done really, really well with something. Finding that passion, right? Defining what it is, and then having them jump from there. And then suddenly, on the first day, when we go to present materials that person felt like they could present some information and materials instead of just having, you know, someone do the day themselves and present to a class. Which leads us into that second topic I want to get into, which is empowerment of that new trainer. You know, whenever we have these situations where you have someone, even if they're, they've trained people before and they've done it for 20 years, or somebody who is a brand new, you know, right right out of the, uh, as a super green, <laughs> as they say, right? Super green has never tra- trained or developed anybody. But empowerment, letting them lead, right? When it comes to that aspect of it, start with the things that they're strongest with. So, for example... <clears throat> If they knew a great recipe for making a really good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and there was a lesson that talked about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, well, guess what? That's the one that I want you to to allow that person, that you should allow that person to take over, right? Give them a few modules or pieces of information to deliver. Make sure that it's something that they have a very good command of, of in terms of the, the materials. Right? Something that they're more of a subject matter expert in. Because when you're training somebody new into that position, you want to start with something that they can, in fact, take control over, that they know, you know, and then build into that materials that they don't know. Because later on in their training career, just as many of us have found out and know, there's going to be plenty of times you're going to present materials where you're not the subject matter expert. Or you might have to deflect and default to a subject matter expert. Which, by the way, let's remove the stigma for a second and remember that there is no stigma about not being a subject matter expert in something. There are plenty of opportunities and times and things for situations where it's okay that you're not. 
it doesn't matter if it's a new line of business or something that uh, you know, maybe you're, you're doing you know, as a work for the first time or something that you've been doing for 20 years. Information and technology and science uh, and industry changes rapidly time and time and time again. Current COVID season that we happen to be in right now. A huge dynamic and transformation is happening with companies that are now focusing on remote work and, here, and, and doing things from home. And many companies have never taken that approach. Thinking that if you do remote work, <laughs> uh, maybe it's fake or uh, maybe it's a, a scheme. I remember the first time I started working from home, people actually asked me, they said, uh, is this a real job? <laughs> is this a real company that you're working for? Or is it, or is it, or is it not? You know, is it one of those fake ones, right? <clears throat> we got off on a tangent here, but we'll cycle back. So again, empowering that person to make the right choice, to do the right thing, to, to start fresh. Because when they get to those situations that they've never delivered certain types of materials or subjects that they have no idea about, they have to be okay with the idea of, you know what, that's a really good question. You know, participant A. That's a super great question. I would love to be able to do some additional research for you to find an answer for you. Or, you know what, that's a really great question. Let me write that question down so I can give it to one of our subject matter experts and get back to you. So many places and companies and things are looking for specific experts in industries and fields. When the fact is, is that not everybody's gonna have that tenure, not everyone's gonna have that experience. But some of the best folks that can lead training and development are those that start fresh, that don't have all of that experience. Because again, they're going to take those lessons learned from each lesson. And as a good pro tip for my trainers out there, as you're going through your classes, as you're teaching and training a new curriculum or new materials or, or new whatever you happen to be doing for your company, make note of all those questions that someone asked. Make note of what they are, so that way next time when you prepare to give that lecture, next time when you prepare to give that module, you'll have that ready to go. Because if it's happened once, there's a really good chance it'll happen second, or third, or fourth. Now, I'm not talking about rabbit hole questions, but I'm talking about real, legitimate problems and scenarios. So, going back to example a little bit earlier to how to make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Let's say that somebody asked, well, what if you don't have creamy peanut butter? What if you only have crunchy peanut butter? <laughs> What would you do with you? How how would you address that issue with the customer? Maybe they only want, you know, creamy peanut butter for the PB and J, right? Now that person can take a look at that information and number one, find out, you know, what caused it to happen that way, how can it be avoided in the future, and what information can help supplement that conversation so that way it doesn't lead down a rabbit hole, but it helps empower those who are listening in. And you're not going to have all the information, and that's okay. But start somewhere. So empowerment, super, super important. The more you empower your new trainer coming into the, to the line of business or the new trainer coming into the company, the better off you're going to be at the end of the day. Remember, it's about kindness. It's about empathy. It's about support. If you can help that person and empower that person, then whenever they have an issue, they can safely come to you or... On the opposite, when you have a problem, guess what? They might be the expert you go to. 
I've had situations where I've gone to work colleagues and and uh, you know personal colleagues, as it were, from other other uh, uh, gigs that I've had, other consulting situations I've had, and I've said, hey, have you ever had this kind of a situation? And that person who took then their expertise and said, yeah, yeah, actually I have. Here's what I did. So remember, there's a lot of benefit to both giving and receiving here. It's not just a one-way street. Now, the worst thing that we can all feel, the worst thing that we struggle with for all of our trainers out there is giving up control. Giving up control of our classrooms or giving up in control of a lesson or giving up control of situations because I think as trainers, <laughs> we like being able to have classroom control over what's happening and the expectations and, and how do we best support our audience. But we have to give that control up to our new empowered trainers that are coming in for the very first time. One of the first conversations, well, second or third probably, if I'm being real, <laughs> second or third conversation I'm really having, is I tell them that by the end of the training, by the time we get to the end of all the things that we've done, I want to make sure that person has complete control of the classroom. They can do all the tasks necessary. They can deliver modules on their own. They can, you know, have difficult conversations, maybe about uh, disciplinary issues like not being back from their, their lunch on time or their break or coming in the mornings, but also being able to deliver the content. The more you help them stand on their feet, the more they can, but you have to be willing to allow them to take control. And giving up that control can be a difficult thing. One of the, the best tips and pieces of advice I can give for trainers that are training somebody else, if they're in the middle of a lesson delivering don't interrupt them. Don't abruptly stop that person. You might be thinking, well, Anthony, what if they're wrong? What if the information they're giving is blatantly wrong? If you're in a physical location or place, then maybe slip them a, a quiet little note. If you're doing something virtual, which many folks are now doing virtual for the very first time, send them a quick private chat. The worst thing that you can do is undermine that person and abruptly stop them because here's what's going to happen. You're going to build mistrust with that person that you're trying to develop, number one. Number two, the class is then going to build mistrust as well and says, oh, well, you know, what, is, what, is, what does Anthony say? He seems to be interrupting this person all the time, so he must know way more than this other person that, that's uh, presenting materials here. And what ends up happening is the class starts to get a skewed view of that person that's presenting because you don't allow them to be successful. You don't allow them to give control. Or, I sh I'm sorry, to take control, I should say. Now, should you correct them if they say something wrong? Yes. But a quick little note you know, a private note to them real quick. Or a quick private chat if you're virtual. Goes a long way. Okay. Now, if that person doesn't come back and say, you know what? I misspoke. I made a mistake. Then you might have to have a different conversation. Such as, hey, I noticed that you were giving a lot of false or incorrect or inaccurate information. You need to stop doing that and here's what was incorrect and here was what was correct. Here's some resources that show you why this was correct or incorrect. 
Okay, make sure you're adjusting that and make sure you're addressing that with that instructor. But aside from that, empower that person, encourage their development. And when they start to do some positive uh, engagement with the class, some positive question taking, some positive whatever it happens to be, praise them for that. Lift them up and tell them, hey, you know what, man, you did a great job, person A or person B. Excellent job with that presentation. Excellent job with this. It makes a heck of a difference to encourage that person because you don't know how how much little words could make a big difference in that person's day, their week, their month, their year. You have no idea the impact that it would have on somebody simply by just saying, great job. Because again, we're trying to empower them to be the new leaders. We're trying to empower them to take control of the classroom. I remember one time, and I, I may have said this story in, in, a, in the podcast prior, then we're going to transition to the next topic. But I'm going to tell you all a story <clears throat> about somebody who used to get coaching all the time. And this person was uh, somebody in one of my classrooms. This happened four or five years ago. And they were coming in for... Um, this new job basically and they flat out told me that they were so fearful and scared of feedback of any kind because their last job would would make give them such anxiety all they would do is yell at them belittle them alienate them and make them feel like utter garbage so what ended up happening was every time that they they were told that they were going to be given feedback they would end up getting nauseous and sometimes vomiting in a trash can before they went in. And I had to have a sit down with this conversation, you know, with this person and have that conversation of, you know, first off, it's not okay that that other employer and that job did those things. Number one, number two, I'm so glad that you're with us now because you get to see what real feedback looks like. You get to see what real feedback should be like. And I said, and, and if you decide to become a leader with this company, then you'll know what to do to help uplift your folks that you're supporting and that you're helping, and what not to do. But any time that a job makes you feel that way or tells you to do those things, that should be a, a really good indicator of how that company is. And I think especially now with COVID and everything, I think it's shed a lot of light on how companies treat their employees and what they do and they don't do, right? The kind of leadership that they have or don't have. Because dynamic leaders are going to be able to shift with the changing times. I think that remote work is here to stay and that it's going to expand even more so with more and more companies. It's going to be fantastic. But on to the next topic. What happens if things go wrong? I had an instructor once who was just coming in to become a new instructor. And that person got so frustrated with some of the questions that they stopped the class and cussed everybody out and said, bleep, 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 bleep. How could you ask me these questions? Bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, and it just kept going. Whew. That person, you know, this is probably my, my second year. No, it was probably my first year that I was um, a instructor who, who had taught other instructors, as it were. 
But I remember that conversation. I said, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? You know, they were let go, I think, two or three days later. But it always stuck with me, you know. It went absolutely bonkers wrong. What could go wrong did, in fact, go wrong. Because some folks were just a bad fit for it. But the important part is, did you hold yourself to a higher integrity? Did you stop what was happening? You know, it doesn't matter if somebody cussed somebody out or there was some kind of issue, like uh, more sensitive, like political issues right now, you know, super, super sensitive stuff. Uh, or maybe something medical came up in a classroom, for example, right? How did you handle those things, right? Did you follow the company policy? Did you report what you needed to report? Did you make sure to have that conversation, say, hey, why did you do these things? Do you understand the repercussions of your words, the actions that you took? Do you understand what happened? Right? Everybody loses a cool, everybody does something wrong. But how did you address it? Did you give that person a second chance to make it right? Or was it so much so that they just couldn't make that up? You know, they, they couldn't make that right, as it were. So if it goes wrong, and let's just say it's something a little bit easier, right? Just for fun. Let's say it's something easier. Let's say that the person <clears throat> presented some material, and the material went really, really bad. They tried presenting a topic, they got hit with tons of questions. The length of the, the module itself went from an hour to two hours. And they added more information and insight than was even necessary. Right? That was way out of context. It goes back to you. Did you spend time with that person before you delivered or even after you delivered at the end of the day to have that conversation about best practices and tips? Are you utilizing that time properly? I've had some instructors that I've trained need only 30 minutes prior to the end of the day and 30 minutes after the end of the day, right? Before and after. I've had some where I need to spend an hour with them in the mornings before we deliver. Where we go over, hey, what are good best practices? What are some potential pitfalls of a module you're about to deliver? How do we best avoid those things? What are some questions that you might have of the materials? So it's not just what did they do and how did you react? It's did you proactively support them prior to something happening? And if you did and something happens, that's okay. Make the, make the adjustment, be flexible, right? Make the adjustment, be flexible, see what else you can do to support that person. Again, their needs might be drastically different than what the next person's needs is next and after that and after that and after that. You can't take the same cookie cutter approach. Find out what those needs are. That goes back to our very beginning. Get to know the trainer, get to know the instructor that's coming into that content. What do they need to be successful? And then help them adjust from there. And the last thing, evaluations, kind of going back to that story a little bit here. When you're doing those evaluations, pretty much every company has them, right, to some extent. But figuring out whether or not somebody's going to be a good fit. Two things. First thing I want to talk about is tearing down. 
it seems to be common practice. And I've got a, I got some friends in in various different companies and fields, and they always tell me and talk to me about how when they first started with that particular company, there was somebody there on the other side, focused on destroying them, saying, "Oh, you suck, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't," you know, and just and just focusing on ripping them apart and ripping them down. Now, I know that there is some things out there in the world, like the military, for example, where that's common practice, and that's a normal thing. Nothing against military. My folks are military. I love our military. But when it comes to what we do here in the private sector, we cannot focus on tearing somebody down, especially now. Especially now. Again, going back to our very first conversation here, Focusing on the person that's in front of you, what are they really good at? How do we how do we take those skills that are that they've honed themselves that they're really really good at and magnify them to make them uh, make them a platform to be successful, right? For certain jobs and certain things, they have to remove or remove all all of your your background as it were to uplift you. But when it comes to instructional design, when it comes to instructors and training and development, I find that you can more often get greater results because you uplift and you amplify their positive experiences and positive behaviors versus trying to recreate or make new, entirely new sets of behavior. If you take that different approach, guess what? Your chances are of seeing something really positive from happening are going to go 10 times through the roof. Because you're focusing on things that they have mastery over and not things that they're struggling with. And on the things that they struggle with, making sure they have tools and resources, insights. I mean, it could be everything from a LinkedIn course to, you know, something like Coursera, Udemy, uh, all types of different platforms that are out there right now for for, uh, various courses. Or it could just be more one-on-one time with you where you take that extra time to maybe deep dive into a module, come with best practices, right, for how to handle certain types of questions or content, whatever you feel is appropriate for that situation. And when you start to evaluate somebody and give them that formal evaluation, stepping back from that evaluation and taking it from the perspective of, am I grading this person on how I would do it or how they would do it? And this will be the final topic here. It's part of those biases that we have, and there's a whole list of biases out there. You can you can take a look at different biases. We'll, we'll maybe uh, touch on one or two of them uh, in later episodes. But some of those those different biases that we happen to have, right? It's going to be something to kind of talk about. How do we best support those biases? Is the person presenting in their own style and their preferred method that they want, or are you helping that person? present in their own style. Now, I'm a very I'm I'm very big into entertaining, telling stories, things like that. For those of you who listen to my podcast, you know that I love to tell stories. But for some folks, they're more of a direct conversationalist. Give me a topic, I'm going to discuss it, that's all I'm going to do, and boom, that, that there's the information. They might give it a little bit of personality, they might not. But they'll make that decision. If that makes any sense. 
So think about that. Is it are they presenting their style and their method and their approach, or are you looking to grade them on how you do things? Because remember, it's not about you. When that person goes to uh, continue onward and to be an instructor, they have to do it in their style. And if you stifle that creativity and that style early, they're not going to be able to find that, or they're going to be fearful of presenting that in front of other instructors or even in front of other leadership. And you're going to ostracize and alienate them to the point to where they're not going to be that wonderful instructor that they have the potential to be. They're going to pull back from that because, again, we didn't focus on empowering them. We didn't focus on giving them control. We didn't focus on them being successful. You focused on how you would look at the end of the day. Some of your biggest advocates and those that are going to do the best at their job are the ones that you uplift, the ones that you encourage, the ones that you spend that time with, the ones that you empower. So think about it. Give it some consideration there. And, um, yeah, you know, again, focus on how do you help that person be successful, not how do you make yourself look good. If you have any questions for me, topics, or things you want to talk about, you can always reach me at atrevino01 at gmail.com. You can use the same email address to find me on LinkedIn. Also, you can find me at Twitter at therealat8 on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, be safe out there.